Merry Christmas and welcome back to Not Alone, a podcast about faith, mental health, and how the church can bridge the gap between them. We are so glad you're joining us. So with this being Christmas, today's episode is going to be themed around the holidays, but it's also going to be a bit of a retrospective look at the year 2020. Michael, Evan, and Lindsay are going to share each of their thoughts that they've had since they started this podcast adventure, and we hope you enjoy this discussion as you go about your holiday season. To talk about all these things, here again are Evan, Lindsay, and Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Not Alone Podcast, the podcast that explores faith, mental health, and three people's realization that we didn't know if we'd record this many episodes of this. So we're really excited to be here with you. I am Evan, and as always, I'm joined by Michael and Lindsay. I'll let them introduce themselves a little bit. Hey, everyone. Michael McCord here, eight months into this recording, and still... Still loving being with you guys and having these conversations, and maybe now better than ever to have these kinds of conversations as we uh, live into, continue to live into COVID and, and maybe the hope on the horizon. But um, I, I've been working in ministry for a long time and really focused my work in caring for people's souls. So glad to be on this call with you guys. Hey, everybody. Lindsay Geist back again, uh, licensed clinical social worker and pastor in the United Methodist tradition. Uh, excited to think about the fact that we've been doing this for what feels like forever now, which was supposed to be uh, just a one weekend retreat at the very beginning. Um, and then a short term fix in the middle of what we thought would be a short lived just pandemic. Just a quick pandemic, yeah. That's right. Just We're going to dip our toes into a pandemic and come right back out. Yeah, and we did test the waters. You know, surely this will be only a week or two. You know, that'll be it. No, yes. we're... I mean, uh, it's just crazy to think that we uh, thought we would do this for a period of time, and now I've been providing free therapy to these two hooligans Woo-hoo. for eight months. And we it. haven't gotten any better. What does that say? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> don't, don't, and Michael, don't, I don't know if you don't. are eating crackers right now or messing with packaging, but it is right next to your mic. <laughs> there is like, I didn't touch anything. Really? I heard like, anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Lizzie heard it too. <laughs> Did you? It sounded like like a like a packaging, like a Ritz package or something. You know, that would be a game that we need to play in the pandemic. What is sound we, is this? What sound is this? What pandemic sound is this? Oh, that, that was it. What was that? What's this? This is a wrapper that I found on my desk that I actually... That's strange. That's it, it sound, like, my hands were it, my hands were folded neatly in my lap. Well, things that you don't know that you're going to encounter is all of us dealing with things like this and audio issues and things like that. Uh, I think that uh, that's fitting for this episode because, uh, as you guys know, uh, it is near the end of the year. Whether you're listening to this in the future, but uh, you know, sometimes we do no context episodes where we're just talking about a topic. But this episode is kind of our year in review, just summarizing and reflecting a little bit on. Is this like our version of the best and worst dressed of the year? Like the best and worst yeah. moments of our year? Yeah, this is it. This is this if is. if only Justin could like pull together the video from a montage. That would be. I know we need a blooper episode, which would be great. Oh, I don't know if we do. 
Hey, maybe that episode uh, that we did where uh, we got the saint, uh, Michael got the saint totally wrong and then gave oh. an entire episode and had to give mm. a disclaimer. How about that, <laughs> that episode? That was a blooper unto itself. You know, I looked really, really good in uh, Bible a book study recently because I was able to talk about Julian of Norwich at length because it was referenced in the book. And I, everybody was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what is this? And I didn't tell them why I knew who that was and why. <laughs> If for anybody that has listened to episodes out of context or hasn't listened to uh, them all in their entirety, uh, that's like a little Easter egg that we just gave you. So go back and find the weirdness of um, our our blooper on the wrong saint and a cow. <laughs> that's a, a good ferocious teaser. cow. I think that's a great. I think that's a great <laughs> teaser, Lindsay. Yeah, there's a. <laughs> if only we had a good giveaway. Like if you could go back and tell us what episode it was in. Oh, we should do. We need to do more giveaways. More you... like any. any. We should. Yeah, we should do some sort of well-being. <laughs> okay, good. in the in the new year, y'all. We we are going to come back uh, with excitement and plans for a giveaway. We will come up with something. I love it. We'll do. I love it. We should do. Oh, we could do a weekly giveaway. Like we have enough books that people should read and that kind of stuff. You to do it, anyways. So we're. Well, let's so not make promises we can't keep right now. Okay, I we're know, ri- we're riding this high into Christmas. I don't know if anybody else is doing that. That's listening to this. That you feel like you just get a little loopy when you are yeah. getting so close to burning out. Yes. That you're like, I gotta just make it. Yeah, I, that's it. I hope that I can make it a few more days, a few more weeks, and then I can rest. Um, and we are three not good examples of planning rest at the we're end of this. Three very real examples <laughs> of what it is. Well, that's it's what true. we're going to talk about this episode. Is we're going to review some stuff. We're going to chat a little bit about how the year was, and we're going to talk about how the holiday season might be different and how that could affect kind of each of us. So if you're used to our normal, very rigid structure where we always stay on topic, uh, then, you know, this could be a This little- is not the <laughs> podcast you've been listening to. This is the wrong one. <laughs> yes, it's true. Yes, it's true. So we're going to, we're going to do it. But Sorry to guys, inform I'm going to be honest. This has been, this has been fun. This is definitely one of the high points of uh, this, this year for me, as far as things that we've been able to do and things that we didn't expect. Hmm. It- yeah, I I had never thought that I would be ordering myself a microphone at home uh, via Amazon and then calling myself a podcaster and then having to use it in regular language when people go, well, what do you have this afternoon? Oh, I'm podcast recording. I mean, we sound ridiculous, but that is the medium of this world. I mean, how many podcasts do y'all listen to? these days. I mean, I listen to it every time I go out for a run. I listen to a podcast. When I'm eating lunch, I listen to a podcast. <laughs> I I mean, nonstop. My podcast consumption might have gone down a little bit yeah. because podcasts were my driving thing. And okay. Like Michael, That's Michael, me. how many miles did you drive last year for work? Just for work. Just for work. I drove 30, I think it was 32,000 miles. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> you have to buy a new car like every two and a half years at that rate. That's true. That's about right. You're right. Oh. Though, uh, though this year I have driven a total of I don't know. I, I haven't even gotten my oil changed yet this year. Oh, okay, wait a minute. Pause. In my wife's car. Story about the oil change. Um, 
you you can lose all track of time uh, getting your oil changed in the middle of a pandemic because you can't really watch the same month markers. You don't have quite the same mileage. You know that they don't ever tell you like exactly the right mileage that you should get your oil changed at. They're in on it, yeah. You know, it's always way early. And so you got to give yourself a, a little bit of time in that window. Um, but in the middle of this uh, pandemic season when time has no meaning, you still do have to look at the odometer and get your oil changed here and there or else you'll be driving down the road and your oil light will come on as you're driving down the highway for example and you'll have to pull over hypothetically and you'll have to pull over somewhere and say oh my goodness what's wrong to my with my oil and then somebody looks at it and they (laughs) say uh because there's pretty much none left because you haven't changed it the way you phrased that sounded like you were giving your oil in your car, a therapy session? Like, yeah. oh my gosh, oil, what's wrong with you? I can tell oil that that's heavy for you. That is, that is, that you, is but I feel like you're under pressure. <laughs> anyway, you seem things... particularly viscous today, this, oil. This is a heated situation. Oh, we could go all day. Oh, she's Y'all. mad now. <laughs> I know. So I did have this, this sort of existential question about that because never in my life have I driven this few miles. And so my car, you know, I am nowhere near my mileage to have the oil changed, but I'm now, it reminds me every day, seven days past my time to get it. And like, how yeah. important is time for oil? Apparently um, somewhat important. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, it depends. apparently now I'm going to go get my oil changed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, did, we just, just say it as a PSA to everybody. You should probably check on that a car where we have two cars and we don't use two cars. And so we're like, honestly, should we just sell one of these? And don't then... you think someday you will leave your house again? But like, who knows? Like, who knows if we'll really need two all the time? And it just sits there. I'm Are you insurance. and your wife going to go the same place every time? We had one car for like five years. I mean, not in Atlanta. You can't. Yeah, no, that's, that's not. That's you not possible. You practically need a backup car in Atlanta. Like you don't. You can't do that. But it is. I mean, I've thought about it. I'm looking at it, and you look at how much you pay for it every month, and I'm like, well, golly, if we could get this much back a month and not have to pay insurance for something we literally don't use. Well, I think it's a good plan because then what happens? You sell it, and then about four months from now, when when things start to trickle back and and you actually have to go to work. You buy a new one. You buy a new one. You get to buy a new car. But see, if you waited four months, you'd be like, nah, we'll just keep this old car. So, you know. And used car values are up. I don't know. I mean, these are the kind of things. There's so many things that we have had to think about and conversations that I thought I've never had. Here's a question that I, I, I want an honest answer to for both of you. Do you think you will ever in the rest of your life have another year where you order more takeout than 2020? I, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody could have seen Michael's face in that moment. What you don't understand is where I live. There's There are not a lot of options. So it is, we're down to like three or four restaurants that you can get takeout, you know, decent takeout. And so, you know, for eight months, we've been living off these three or four restaurants, which I'm sure they appreciate. But, you know, it's like. 
No. Well, and I think we've got it good in the pandemic. Like we're we're really really fortunate that that is the that's the right. Thing. I realize that I'm actually three or four good restaurants is more than most people who live maybe in more, more rural locations than I do. But you know, if I lived in Cobb County like you guys, don't dox me. It's <laughs> where he is, folks. I will say I will say that I probably haven't eaten as much takeout and delivery as I do some other times. I mean, from different restaurants than I normally would have. Um, but Wait, I so I have been potting with my parents. And so normally I cook for myself most of the time, which gets real tiring. And I meet out with friends a few nights a week or work late or other things. And so I am cooking at home so much more than I ever have because there are other people to eat with and to feed other mouths. And so if I cook something, I don't have to eat it for seven days in a row. (laughs) That makes You make a crock pot and it lasts you a month. Oh my goodness. Which is, I I think you're onto something. I I hate them so much. If, if there are people here who have kids uh, like I do, they apparently want to eat not three times a day, but like six or eight times a day. Oh yeah, no, and no. it's like all I do—I do the dishwasher like twice a day to just stay on top of these dishes. Yes. And then yes, we like I—I I try to plan each week where I go to the grocery store one time, which uh-huh. is really scary because the bills, like you know, it's it's ridiculous because you're cooking eight meals a day, and then <laughs> and then you're trying to think of like what can I cook that will last at least two nights, and um, you know the kids don't like leftovers. I don't like leftovers. Oh, what do you? But it's I just love like leftovers. Are you kidding me? Hey, let's work oh. out a deal. Like, uh, we can cook dinner and then we can swap it. Okay. okay. In the day of now, that's stores. a good idea. Maybe that's a lo- like a new like sharing <laughs> thing we could do. Is that everyone- <laughs> so? You're eating someone's <laughs> leftovers, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but not, not yours. It's <laughs> 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 leftover B and B. Like, like <laughs> I this week I get Evan's leftovers, whatever they are. Surprise. And then, but they're not my own, so that. Do, do y'all feel like the pandemic has made you laugh about things that you would have never laughed about before? I'm a pretty giddy person, so I can't really. <laughs> I think. Yes. So one of the things Evan and I do on the side is we we have a consulting company that that helps people put on online learning experiences. That's like not all we do, but that's one thing we've really been doing a lot of together, and I think. The most Why? laughing that we do is in the in what participants think is an acceptable way to show up to a meeting. Like we literally oh. had somebody laying back in a recliner in the, like completely like vegged out in their recliner for a meeting that we were hosting. I mean, we're not. It doesn't matter to us. You can come however you want to, but we're just. I'm proud like, of them. Then we had a. Then we had a, a, a another guy who had like seven cameras in his, like so every two minutes there was like another shot and it would just like revolve yeah. around his room and it's like what are people thinking? I mean, you got to find things to be interested in. I mean, it, right. it is it is really different. I think you like okay. Do you remember the time of bookstores? Like. That was, and maybe those were dead before the pandemic, like we were already headed out. But I, I was. In I love a, a good bookstore. A bookstore, and there was a book called "Microwaving for One." 
And it was a microwave meal prep for one. Like that was the book. And it was recipes, all that you could microwave for one. And honestly, that's probably worth a million dollars now because mm-hmm. that's like a, that's like an apocalyptic. Well, I guess you'd have to have power, but what are we even? <laughs> What are we even doing? And I think that's been, I mean, that's been part of what's been fun about the podcasting too. Like looking back on some of our episodes, uh, like just on the list. I mean, this will be our 20th episode that we have released. That is wild. So, and the the format, the style, everything. I mean, it's been. It's, it's, I don't know. I was talking to, I was in a meeting today with some other people and they were, they were talking about like this sort of happenstance scenario where a person did something just kind of in passing but but it so affected the person they they shared something with it, I, try, I know it's kind of vague but anyway someone someone said something to a stranger it was really meaningful to that stranger more so than the person who said it thought it was and years later they reconnected and that person shared how much it meant i think one of that ta- reminds us, I think, that what we do, what we say, and how we act with other people really does matter, yeah. um, and that people are looking for relationship, and and that that even what we do in passing has influence on people. But this podcast has created a place. What I'm excited about in it is that there has been a sense of vulnerability that has been created. That the people who who've reached out to me, who who listen to us regularly, have shared some pretty like. Um, intimate and powerful stories about how how they resonated with us um, and how what we talked about was something they were experiencing in that very moment. And um, I think that's just powerful because it it does, in, as our title to the podcast uh, alludes to, you're not alone in this. And I think that's what's been really maybe what we're talking about for us to be together and to go through this pandemic together and to create this podcast together reminds us that we're not alone. Mm -hmm. What you don't know is we spend at least an hour to an hour and a half before an episode (laughs) catching up on, on our lives. Uh, We went an hour and a half today before this episode. Getting our wiggles out. (laughs) And so like, but then you get to go into this podcast and you realize the whole world is not alone. We're, We're all in this, we're sharing this unique, crazy, life-altering moment together and it's I, I think it's been kind of humbling to be able to be part of people's lives through all of it too yeah i agree and the funny thing is that people are probably just now realizing that no one listens to this and every time we talk about that we're making it up that somebody it's, told it's us. mine just, it's your yeah. grandmother actually <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> grandma. we're like oh thanks to all our listeners it's like check the stats evan's grandmother has has downloaded over a thousand episodes (laughs) by herself shout out what's her what's her name well i mean they're kind of oh they're kind of private privacy so okay we'll just evan's grandmother we love you we love you I don't have her permission to share her name so i want to that's good that's kind of you that is good boundaries right there I mean, she is my grandma. See, no, <laughs> see, you are learning something from all this free therapy from me. How to have oh. healthy boundaries. Y- yeah, found one. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Okay, but see, most of growth and learning we don't see in ourselves. It takes somebody else to point it out. <laughs> it's like that kid in an Easter egg hunt who just grabs one egg and tears off towards the street. <laughs> They're like, oh, God, no, there's cars. Get away, child. Oh, goodness. It was this, this year has been strange in the fact that uh, some days I, when I chat with other people and, and we have our catch-up sessions and everything I am reminded that I'm not alone and that we're all trying to navigate this together. And then I have days where the loneliness and the aloneness can feel consuming Mm. that we just, it can feel so disconnecting from the rest of the world. Um, Especially on days that you don't leave your house. uh, Cause we're all having more of those days than, Mm more than instead of fewer of those days uh that i got in the car the other day and i was like i haven't gotten in a car in like six days <laughs> to go anywhere yeah huh or today i went for a run and i thought i haven't run the streets in the last few days you and been run out- these streets i know but haven't been out the front door um more than the mailbox and I think that is where I have to remind myself that my coping skills may look different in this pandemic than usual, mm-hmm. but maybe sometimes even just leaving the front door and going around the block uh, will help me get out of that aloneness mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah, I think there, I could relate to that a lot. There are, I stay pretty busy. And being, I like hanging out with people. I like meeting with people. I like being with people in person. And so this has, you know, had some challenges. And there are days where sometimes I just feel like someone has soaked a blanket and then like wrapped my brain in it. Like I just can't think correctly. Mm-hmm. Like I've tried, like my, I'm like, okay, what do I want to do? Like I have two hours of free time. What do I want to do? And then 30 minutes go by and I'm just kind of staring at different things. And I haven't done, I don't want to do anything that I like to do. I don't want to do anything fun. There's nothing. I don't want to read. I don't want to do anything. And I'm like, I have this opportunity to like do something. And then my brain is like, Nope, you're literally going to look at all the different things that you want to do. I'll walk into a room, look at the TV, look at my book I'm reading. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Look at my phone, call somebody. I don't want to do that. And then I just kind of stare at a wall. And I'm like, who am I anymore? Like, Because normally it would be out and, you know, to practice and doing these things and running around and meeting with people. And it's like nothing. And so it's that weird brain fog. It's freaked me out. It's weird how our energy is zapped, um, even though we, on paper, we are less busy. Mm. That that there's, uh, I I hit my, and we talked about this in our episode about you know capacity and limits. <clears throat> that I hit my capacity way sooner than I used to. I think that, that was episode. a really good episode yeah. looking back and it's been helpful for me. I specifically, I can think this weekend um, I, I just was running at a high level of anxiety. So, so then I don't know why we had lots of stuff to do for work. And, you know, my, my mom's been here for, for a couple of months now and it's just more people in the house, more things, you know, and the kids are home from school 
So we're doing home so homeschool again because of the outbreak. And so it's just like I'm running at that place. And then George, our golden doodle, runs in for going to the bathroom and gets mud on the couch. And I just flipped my lid in front of my kids and my mother and Emily. I mean, I would just lost it. And and they, my children's faces were just because I don't yell generally like I just not a yeller. But I did at George because of his, you know, getting the couch dirty. His, his impudence. Yeah. And it's like, that's the little, that's the perfect example. It's like some stupid, meaningless thing is the final trigger that just, you just need to explode because you just got so much stuck up in, inside of this experience, you know? So I think, and it helped me because after I calmed down, I was like, oh, my, I was just thinking through it. Like, here's my capacity yeah. level. And I just took me over just that little bit, just took me over it. Well, I mean, it goes back to how many times have we experienced feelings that, and or reactions that seem to make no sense contextually. Um, but we didn't, it's like we had pent up all these feelings and they hadn't had any other place to go or we hadn't spent any time sitting in them and figuring out what was really going on with us. And then it exploded in some wild way. And an innocent golden doodle. I mean, I, <laughs> I think we've all probably yelled at somebody or our pet. Uh, we've snapped at somebody Um I don't know about y'all, but there have definitely been a few things that I've cried about that looking back, I'm like, why was I crying about that? But I had just run out of energy and the only energy my body had left to take care of me was for tears to just start flowing. Oh yeah. I mean, I have basically one to two days a year typically that are just down days where I'm just kind of sad for no reason. And you know, you just have, I, I think mm-hmm. for me, you just have those days where you're like, I'm just kind of sad today. Not really any reason. I just kind of like, eh, I just need to recharge day, you know? And so when that happens, I'm like, mm, I just kind of go to bed early, you know, wake up, feel pretty good the next day. Like I, like generally that's a pretty mm-hmm. hard reset for me. Started feeling that way. You know, no real reason. I was like, okay, we'll go to bed. Go to bed early. I wake up. I feel worse. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> go through a whole nother day. And I'm like, okay, let's go to bed early again. Go to bed early. Wake up the next day. Still feel the same. I was like, am I depressed? Like, is like, is like, this is the, this is the, like, I'm like, listening on I'm like, we have a mental health podcast. I'm not a professional, but I listen to them all the time. So it's like, <laughs> like, or like I'm this... showing some signs and symptoms. What's going on? Like, what's going on? And I was like, you know what? Let's just get through. Let's just do it. I told my wife, I said, hey, just a heads up. I've been feeling really weird. Nothing's like crazy wrong. I just been kind of sad. She's like, it's okay. Let me know what I could do. And I'm like, you're so sweet. And then I went to bed, woke up the next day, felt fine. But that freaked the heck out of me. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times that I have had moments in this pandemic where I have felt really not like me. And it's caught me off guard. Um, Because I I feel like I normally stay pretty in tune with myself. And there have been some days where I have just not felt healthy. um, Like the healthiest version of me. And... um, 
yeah, it's been strange. Uh, but again, I, I think that part of that is that we don't have all the same stuff that fuels us um, and gives us energy. We don't have the same routines we've always had. Like I really miss some of my routines um, and we don't have our own, our regular coping skills. No. Um, and I, I do think that it does get to us over time uh, when we don't have lots of kind of like physical touch with other people. Mm -hmm. um, even if you're not a big hugger, I think that lack of physical touch over time is really detrimental to all of us. Yeah. That we really need human contact, both socially as in verbally with one another, but uh, we need hugs. We need a handshake. We need somebody to touch your arm when they talk to you um, or hold your hand as you go up the stairs that uh, they all seem small and insignificant, but are incredibly impactful to us. Yeah. And that's the same thing with the holidays too. I mm -hmm. mean, they are that anchor point that you kind of use to center yourself and be around things that are familiar and, we've talked a little bit about this before, but uh, I think the way you described it, Lindsay, was that there's just a lot of grief around the holidays right now. Yeah. I mean, things are not what they normally are. Um, I was talking to my family the other day that uh, there's normally like this big buildup of anticipation around Thanksgiving and around Christmas, you have certain traditions that you always have. Um, certain family members are always there. Um, and I use always loosely, but you have these kind of regular patterns. Even my typical December is full of Christmas concerts and church events and uh, all of the Advent prepping. And in the counseling world, I have always been slammed with extra sessions all the way up to the last minute because a lot of people, um, we all come from complex families and usually need to talk lots about it before we go spend time together mm -hmm. in yeah, a small Michael space. Yeah, five per week each, so that's <laughs> 10 slots. Um, I'm doing two a days with therapists. <laughs> and, then it's, and then it's after the holidays that you need to yeah. plan, you need to do the cleansing. So normally, normally I have a lot of people bookmarked right around then uh, right. for us to do just that. And... Um, and I always really anticipate this like drive to see family or family arriving and this, you know, all these big events. And this year we're not doing any of those. Um, I have been sheltering and potting with my parents for a little while. So we're already together and don't have to go to each other. Hmm. Um this year, my sister and her husband are spending their first Christmas with her in-laws. So it's the first Christmas in my whole life. Well, her whole life since she's younger that I haven't spent with her. Um, we don't have Christmas Eve worship. I mean, I have almost always since being ordained helped, uh, assisted in some capacity in a Christmas Eve worship service and it's weird to not have the carols and be in the church mm -hmm. um 
And it's my least favorite service. Really? Yeah. And um, we finally, as a family, <laughs> why did you okay. interrupt her for that? <laughs> we uh, <laughs> that just that just seems strange. But I was like, we're not going to unpack on that. Else. Yeah, let's. I, it's like, my birthday. Oh, <laughs> I, okay. So I always got really mad as a kid that I had to go to church on my birthday and I couldn't see my friends. No, that makes sense. We have a good family friend whose birthday is on Christmas Eve, and she has said the same thing for yeah, years. It's just not very fun. Yeah, no. it's weird. Um, as a family this year, we decided that since everything felt weird already, we were just going to blow it all up. Um, and so... <laughs> I'm watching, I'm sorry, I'm watching a Netflix show I, I about... about bombers and the manhunt for them so okay, like we're not I'm like, like actually <gasps> blowing something up Lindsay, no um we decided that since so many of our traditions couldn't happen this year that while we're keeping a couple we're scrapping a whole bunch of stuff um and so we're having a, a driveway christmas eve worship service with mm -hmm. the four uh, neighbor houses that we've been potting with and um we're going to have worship socially distanced in the driveway. Uh, and a couple people are playing music on their instruments. I'm giving a small sermon. We're lighting the Advent candles. Um, and we're all going to light candles for Silent Night. That is adorable. Um, and, and we're just, it's totally different. And yeah. we're not eating any of the same stuff we normally eat on the same days. We're like swapping it all around. And... We just said the world feels weird, and let's just let it be weird this and year. Passing the leftovers to the house to your left. True. Um, That's, am I really? Am I re Am I really sad? Yes. Yeah. I I have had to really grieve uh, that Christmas is does not feel as exciting as it normally does, um, and. In that, I'm also trying to create space to find really beautiful moments like this Christmas Eve worship service that I am so excited about um, that it, I, I just think it's going to be one of the most beautiful ways to share uh, the gift of uh gift of God's son and uh, the gift of relationships with one another this year. Mm. So holding Perhaps. the grief and holding the joy together. The gift um, of hope in a mid bleak winter or something like that. Does. Yes. Seems yes. Kind of it fitting. doesn't hurt that their vac start the very beginning of vaccinations right now. Mm hmm. I, I also keep thinking about, I mean, the, in the hymn, when we sing, the weary world rejoices. Uh, the world has been so weary. I have been so weary. I, I, I know I'm speaking for y'all, but based on all of our conversations over the last, you know, eight months of this, y'all have been weary. We have all been weary. Um, we are weary. Yes. And when I keep hearing that phrase, the weary world rejoices. Uh, how can we be weary and joyful? Uh, but a wise person once told me that both things can be true. One more 
that one it can, can be, be both, both and weary and rejoicing. You can have two feelings at once. That's that right. might be my favorite. My f- single favorite takeaway is that you can experience two feelings at once. It's tied with there are no such thing as negative emotions. Like no mm-hmm. emotion I'm is t- a bad. Like I'm those telling are, you, those are some zingers. Those, if you guys, I'm telling you, use those in a meeting sometime because I have. <laughs> they are so they're disarming. Like mm-hmm. like someone's upset about something and someone else is really excited about it. And if you just stop the meeting and say, you know what? Both things can be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. And and then and then um talking about emotion, like just acknowledge that emotion is neither bad nor good. It just is. You say that in a meeting and people are like, it just it becomes disarming because I think we're so ingrained to believe that emotion is bad and it either it is or it isn't. Mm-hmm. And those those that binary way of thinking has has created so much conflict and us rest in our lives. And if you could, I think there's anything that you could walk away. Well, first of all, I want you to walk away knowing that you're not alone, that that you are that we're all weary um, and that we're all going through this and we all go through. And even if this wasn't happening, even if this mm-hmm. covid wasn't happening, we're still weary and tired and struggling in the midst of the best circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But then also to know that you can have complex feelings and that feelings are not bad. Um, if you take that into your life, I think that will, that's, that's my favorite takeaway from this whole experience. So thank you, Lindsay. You're welcome. And I mean, and I think that that's an important thing that we should remember going into this holiday season is that- yeah. It, because we can feel two things at once. We can have really beautiful moments and really hard moments and be sad and be joyful at the same time. Yeah, it's, um, I read this book uh, in college, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And it's it's his like telling of his time in, in the Holocaust in, in, in a concentration camp and finding meaning and, and the, the weird ways in which you find joy and meaning and significance in the midst of such heartbreak. And I think that, I think that's what we've lived through in, in its, in its own way. This pandemic is to find these glimmers of hope and meaningfulness in a world that otherwise feels hopeless. And that's, I think so many of us have experienced that over the last eight months. I do, I do want to acknowledge just because this has been heavy on my heart. Uh, lately is is that there are a number of you who are going into this holiday season loss with a loss of a loved one um, who just won't be there and maybe you didn't get to say goodbye to them which i think has been one of the harder facets of this pandemic is that people are dying alone and it's it's cruel and hurtful and 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 that you have to grieve alone uh, that there's not the same like outpouring and support of your community because you we can't do those things and I know that exists. And then I know too, that some of you don't have a job or you're on the line and may not have a job in January. Um, A person in my family is in that situation and the fear and uncertainty going into 21 with this till continuing living over us. And uh, that too brings a whole nother level of what you're going into in the middle of Christmas and the Advent season. And, and just the loss that's a cup, the real physical painful loss that has come over the, the eight months that we've been together. 
It's hard when we don't have the milestones that we have relied on before uh, to be able to grieve, that we're not having large funerals, uh, families aren't able to get together and process it. We don't have all the goodbyes that we would have wanted. Um, I talked to a friend the other day and they said, uh, they're really gonna miss uh, the potluck lunch that happens after a funeral. They said, I'm gonna miss eating poppy seed chicken. And I thought, oh my goodness, these milestones that help us grieve. We've also been stripped of those. Um, and, And on top of that, we sometimes know how to grieve death, uh, sometimes, but we're really bad at honoring people as they grieve more ambiguous things like the loss of a job or the loss of a dream or loss of, uh, an opportunity. It is hard to grieve, uh, the loss of life as you know it. And that's called loss of the assumptive world. So like the world that we believed and perceived before uh, isn't what it is anymore. And we rely on this uh, certainty um, or expectation that we know what's gonna happen next. And when we have lost that, it feels like the rug has been pulled out from underneath us. And we don't know sure what to do the, with that. Yeah, I want to make sure I get this right because it's going to make me look really smart uh, in my next time that you guys aren't around. And I'll take personal <laughs> credit for this like I thought of it myself. <laughs> Loss of the assumptive world? Uh-huh. So the world as you assume it to be. Um, so we, and, and it's amazing how many things we assume happen in the world around us. That we believe that we can predict what next steps look like. Um, so here's an example of kind of, uh, even our assumptive world, whether truthful or not, we believe that if we work really hard, we will be able to, uh, get into the college that we want to. Um, and then we get the job that we want to. And, uh, and I give those examples because that's the one that most people, uh, seem to cling to pretty hard is that these assumptions that these next steps automatically happen Mm -hmm. and, and what's it, and they don't, um, but they happen often enough that we have this false belief that we can always predict what's going to happen next. And so we have been reminded that we don't know what's going to happen next or it's less predictable than we were giving it credit for. Right. And so we have lost our assumptive world. I think that's a uh, very, I, uh, one, I think it's fascinating because it's our, it's our brain's way of making sense of the world and trying to situate itself in a ever changing fluid environment. Um, and <laughs> we can hear you typing. You, you, oh, <laughs> a very loud jet just flew over my house. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think it's really an amazing thing because I think it talks about how how um, how 
sophisticated our brains are at trying to make sense of things and situate <laughs> itself into a world that's ever moving. And there's really no predictability, but our brains have worked to create predictability to, to give ourselves a sense of comfort. And then, and then when it, but, but when that gets disrupted, when you, when you don't get married by the time you're whatever, or when you don't get the job that you think you should have had, or you don't, are not able to have children or you're like, these are huge milestones that, that humans, that we all kind of put as, as expected, assumed things that happen. And when they don't happen, that you'll get to graduate from high school and walk across the stage and, and receive your diploma, that you'll get to start college and have the first week of, you know, orientation and you get to go try out all these new organizations and have cookouts and, 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 you know, fun experiences in your college. You'll get to, you know, all those things and all of those things have been disrupted. And, and, and so it's, it's a disorienting experience. When we have all these abstract losses, it makes it really hard to know what action to take. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's so abstract and doesn't feel tangible, we don't know how to fix it. That's right. Uh, when, when someone dies or someone has surgery or someone gets sick, it's like a clear mark. That person is going through something. But for for, sub, for a high school senior to not be able to walk across the stage and receive their diploma, you as an average person doesn't know whether is that really what kind of loss are they really experiencing? Um, I even think about the conversations I've had with other clergy recently that are so used to sitting with people in grief or in hard moments, doing those hospital visits and not being allowed to go to any of those locations or go be with parishioners. And, uh, you know, it's hard when you don't even know how to be with other people as they're grieving losses. And then we don't really know what to say to other people right now. Um, yeah, the feeling of helplessness has been extremely pervasive. We also do a lot of comparative uh, comparative suffering in all of this of, um, well, I shouldn't feel this. I, I shouldn't be this sad because at least I have a job. I, at least I have a job or at least my family member hasn't died or at least I still have a roof over my head or, um, you know, all sorts of stuff that we say to ourselves that negates all of our sadness and our grief. It's again, we've decided that grief is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so we start stuffing it all down. Um, I spent a lot of time, these last few weeks uh, studying grief and uh, for a sermon I preached recently. And it dawned on me that when did we start defining grief as bad instead of hard? Well, my wife and I took a a vacation to India once um, and I found this book while we were there that I read uh, while we were there called the Tibetan book on living and dying. And it's uh, a way for a Tibetan Buddhist to is, is explain uh, Buddhism to Westerners, particularly oh, Christians. Wow. So it's a really interesting, compelling read. But one of the most powerful things, uh, so early on in the book, the kind of the premise of the book, I might might possibly be the premise of the book, is that, that Westerners and, and sometimes Christians in particular um, are so scared of dying uh, that we 
we either totally avoid it and never talk about it, um, or we spend all of our energy trying to avoid it and never and believe that we can just somehow escape death. And in so doing, what we do is we, we end up trivializing death, this beautiful sacred moment that, that all of us are going to experience, something that binds us all. And we trivialize it and avoid it and never talk about it. And then, and I, I think that's, that's where we get, then all the feelings that are wrapped up in it, the, the feelings of grief and loss are then are just supposed to be tidied up, you know, and just packaged away in a way that we don't have to deal with it. And we just move on with life because we cannot embrace and talk about and feel and experience and celebrate death and all of its beauty and its power. And I think that changed. It helped me see death and what, how we handle it, particularly as Americans, and the, the extent to which we go to avoid talking about it, or the various medicines and regiments and life-saving technologies that we deploy to try to avoid it at all costs, um, when in actuality that maybe what we need to do is to start to embrace it and realize that we're all going to experience it, and it's something that's inevitable, and it's also something that's incredibly sacred and powerful to be, to be part of with somebody. I wonder how that even translates over to grief in general, um, that we, it, it's as though the only grief that feels more tangible that we feel like we really know about is grief around death. And so then we kind of take that grief, that, that style of grief and put it towards everything that we're losing. That's right. Um, and exactly. so we trivialize all of our losses. And we have lost a lot this year. Um, I think that uh, going into a new year, it's uh, it's okay to look back and say, these are all the things that I'm missing. Mm -hmm. These are all the things I wish I had this year. Um, and... And reminding ourselves what we have control of, what we don't have control of, and how to be kind to ourselves. in it all. Be patient with yourself in your own grief. Because when you grieve something super ambiguous that feels more abstract or that isn't, doesn't carry the same importance to other people, um, it is easy to negate those feelings in yourself instead of embracing them and sitting in them and honoring them. Yeah, I think in some ways we see this lived out in these moments of grief of loss, that not necessarily of death loss, but but of loss of something really significant in life. And you see kind of this, like these polar responses. One is, I'm just going to pack it up. It is what it is. I got to move on and never embrace it and never deal with it. And at some point it does come back because we can't, the truth is we can't just pack those things up and move on. Um, and the other is that it, it, it overwhelms us and keeps mm -hmm. us from being able to move on because we weren't prepared for it because nobody in our life who was meaningful, and important to us ever shared that they went through grief too. Mm -hmm. And so the perspective is that I think a lot of people have when it comes to grief is, well, you know, I know so-and-so they lost their husband and they seem to just move right along. They just chugged through it. They did. And so when I lost my loved one, um, I'm paralyzed by it because I didn't see the hurt and the grief that that person was going through 
because the way our society sort of says we shouldn't, we need to pick it up and just keep moving. And if you yeah. keep, you know, keep walking, that somehow it'll get better. I, um, when I was, shoot, I think I was like middle school. I was at a church service, and this family had just lost one of the parents of the family, and the, the pastor made a huge point to emphasize that they were there on the front row of church, like the next day, on Sunday morning. And in my head, I was like, that is not where I would want to be. Like, I don't want to be in public around all of you. You don't want to be at church on Christmas Eve because it's your birthday, much less. (laughs) Really, I'm really really coming out great in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty anti-church right now, hey? He hasn't been able to go to church in eight months, and we're wondering (laughs) if he's not really missing it. Because apparently that's it. No, I mean, but I was, I remember thinking to myself, that's not consistent with my experience. And when you talk about the different grieving and the differences in understanding and what different people might go through, I think that's a lot of the challenge, especially of this season too, is, is how to be there for each other when we're grieving in that way. Because the way that I'm generally there for someone when they're grieving is I drive to their house and I take them on an adventure. And I think like that is where conversation can happen and there's experience. And now I just have to like call somebody and be like, Hey, do you want to zoom? And they're like, no, I don't. I think that's like this, the whole story of this year is what do we do when we can't rely on how we've always done things? How do we handle all the change um, and as human beings, we struggle when everything has changed at the same time, we like to rely on some concrete things. And so that's a challenge to us when everything's changed. Uh, and I think that's made, uh, just even embracing or reflecting on this year hard. How do we let go of control or, or be okay with not having as much control as we want or thought we had. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we be kind to ourselves in all of our feelings? How do we grieve things that other people may or may not be say, say are socially acceptable things to grieve? And how do we not compare our suffering to one another and let ourselves be sad? Mm-hmm. And let ourselves be happy. Mm-hmm. Let ourselves find joy in the midst of bleakness and let us find newness when everything else seems like it's failing. You know, I think it's, it's the whole gamut of those feelings and emotions that we're going through um, that we just, I think we need to all be a little bit more permission giving mm-hmm. um, and, and a little bit. And I think if, if I'm honest, that permission needs to start with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably the, the worst critic of my own feelings and what I'm allowed to express. Um, and I think, I think those two, th- those people who lead churches who are clergy in the middle of all of this, I think they especially have a, a difficult spot to, because of the expectations that they keep moving their people forward and being with their people in all these new ways and trying to pivot in the middle of Advent and, and how to do Christmas remotely and, and, and all the, you know, trying to trying to keep it all together, 
mm-hmm. um, when really it just feels like everything that you know and love has fallen apart. And that's that's a particularly vulnerable place to be as we go can, into Christmas. Can I just say something too for those who uh, are, are listening who are Christians or you're pastors or your leadership in your church or faith community? As a pastor, you are not the reason why this is not a normal Christmas for people, even if people are treating you that way. Mm-hmm. And people, stop treating your pastor like they are the ones holding back things from being normal for the holidays for you. They have a very complicated job right now. Your bosses, everybody does. Let's just all take a chill pill and relax and take a deep breath for a second because the amount of pastors that I've talked to who have been berated by congregants about some of this stuff around the holidays is absolutely disgusting. That's my rant. I'm not clergy, so I can say it. I think that's a helpful one, though, is that we're all carrying a lot. And uh, there's a church is a very sacred place for so many of us. Uh, And sometimes we don't. Not everybody has the right words uh, to say that this is hard. And they lash out. Um, and the pastor is carrying a lot too. That's we're such a nice all, way to say that. <laughs> we're all in this pandemic. That's why um, she's a pastor. <laughs> I, I know that there are moments when I haven't been uh, the best therapist at every moment uh, along the way or best pastor because I too am trying to carry this. Um, we have never before been in a place where we've all been in the pain together. And some days it feels really heavy. Um, So try to be kinder to one another, especially people that represent a lot of your sacred spaces. I think that's helpful heading into the new year too, because it's a weird new year, you know? Mm -hmm. This weird time of renewing and figuring things out and, Maybe resolutions. Yeah, I was gonna say um, we we are gonna take a break for a few weeks uh, talking about rest and needing rest and all that. We started off some of this episode talking about, uh, but when we come back, um, giveaways. I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I also think that um, we'll spend a little time talking about resolutions, especially resolutions in a pandemic. Uh, because resolutions are about being better versions of yourself. Um, Is it acceptable to choose the resolution is that I will get dressed, fully dressed one day a week next year? Michael, I think that's a good goal for you. Says the person. person. (laughs) uh, He he says fully dressed. the person that he he is currently (laughs) in his pajama pants. Again, we're recording more, at five five thirty in the afternoon. He means more <laughs> formally dressed, not actual clothes. I, like uh, okay, <laughs> okay, it's true. <laughs> just it's, imagine it's you true. Porky Pigging it around the house with your kids and your mom, and they're like, "Dad." I, I don't oh know my goodness, y'all! <laughs> no, that I will put 
real clothes on in 2021. That's my that's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> okay. It's, I will look forward to uh, that episode of talking about resolutions in a pandemic. I think that'll be fun. Yeah, and I think. Well, let me just say, because uh, I, I think it, it, as we wrap up, I just I'm so grateful for the two of you for what you've given me in the middle of all of this. I'm thankful for the people who who listen to us talk nonsense. Um, but hopefully not all nonsense, hopefully some sense making too in the middle of it, some storytelling and, and reminding us that we're not by ourselves in this, in this journey that we're together in. But um, thank you for, for listening to us. Thank you for supporting us. Evan, Lindsay, thank you so much for contributing to this and taking the risk. Cause I know that all of us, when we first started this, we're like, really, <laughs> we're going to do this. And uh, it's been a fun journey so far. So I do look forward to coming back and thinking about resolutions and thinking about moving forward. And what is what is moving out of 2020 into 2021 really look like for all of us? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. Thanks for all your friendship and all your wisdom and for <laughs> putting up with all of my analogies. Every one of um, your food analogies this year? I don't Best know. Best one made. by far was the throw up analogy. We can just all remember that. And the face, the face, the faces that I don't, I don't, I don't know if that falls into a best of montage or a worst of montage of where Michael and I, our faces said, this has gone off the rails. We probably need to cut this. What this will never doing? make it in post, but you know, it, it did, and it somehow it worked. You know, th- things can be two things at the same time. It can be, the best. It can be on the best and the worst uh, montage at the same time. On, on that note, this has been one of the hardest years. Oh, yeah. Um, but I have had some of the most beautiful moments mm. this year. Um, and I am grateful for the ability to have these conversations where we can embrace the beautiful. And also, um, as another therapist once told me, we can sit in the suck. We can say that it's hard. Uh, It's allowed to be hard and things can be beautiful. And so as all of you go into your holiday season, may you experience both of those things um, this holiday will probably be very different. Where can you find the beauty and joy in it? And where can you say that it's really hard? Um, this holiday is not forever. It is one moment. Um, and we will have other moments to come. Uh, so I hope that you find rest this season. I know a lot of us are weary. Rest care for yourself and embrace the moments uh, when we celebrate that the light of the world was born, that Christ came into our lives in the most unexpected way and did miraculous things. And God works well in the unexpected. This season was unexpected and God has worked in it. Amen. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, Michael. 
Special thanks to everybody who's listened this year. We wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We're excited to see you uh, again in 2021. And I just want to say thanks again for listening and all of your encouragement and all your feedback. The most special of thanks is reserved for Justin Patton, who produced this episode and also does the music. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Justin, for all of your hard work and how much fun you make this for all of us. And uh, my face hurts because I've been smiling and laughing for like two two hours. Uh, so uh, thanks for bringing so much joy into my life as well, Lindsay and Michael. So we'll see you guys in the new year. Bye-bye, everybody.